Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. I am William Kramer, and I am with my co-host, Aaron Bontrager. We talk about local high school sports, including the Northern Indiana Conference, the Northern Lakes Conference, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart Counties. We also discuss some football, uh, Notre Dame football. How you doing this week, Aaron? Doing good. A lot of great action this weekend. Hey, How about you, Will? I'm doing good. You know, Notre Dame got a win, so that was nice to see. And NFL just started, so uh, of course my favorite team, the Colts, uh, they lost, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> a lot of games lost in the in the season. So you're you're a Bear fan, right? You know, I, I yeah, I guess I consider myself a Bears and Colts fan. Okay. So yeah, they got some work to do against Patrick. Yeah. Getting, uh, they're losing thirty eight fourteen right now. So. Hey, uh, let's go ahead and get started. We have for our first topic um, a special guest. He's from the Irish Breakdown, uh, and we're very privileged and honored to have the football analyst from there, uh, Vince D'Addario. He's an Irish insider. Uh, Now, folks, if you have not listened to the Irish Breakdown, you need to. Uh, They do an absolute great job covering Northern football. Uh, I know I tune in on a regular basis, uh, you know, whether it's driving to, you know, a long trip or something, just plug it in for an hour or so and just see what they got to say. And uh, Vince is actually a former baseball head coach at Riley High School. He also has uh, about 15 years of varsity football coaching experience throughout several schools in the South Bend area. Uh, he was at one time an on-air personality at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, Vince, welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. That's quite the introduction, man. That's, that's a lot of part-time job, a lot of side gigs for me. So uh, fills the resume up, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. You guys have a great show, man. There's not enough people out there talking high school sports, man. I'm telling you, you guys are filling a need in the community, man. And I love listening to your show. Oh, well, we appreciate the, uh, that, what you said. And, you know, Aaron and I, we started this last year. We don't make any money, but we just... We, you know, kind of just do it for fun, and we both like sports, and we both played high school sports. Not very good at it when we were playing, <laughs> we played. We were, we were out there on the courts or on the field. and uh, So let's go ahead and get started, though. Um, what is your reaction to Notre Dame's road win against North Carolina State? Uh, they won 45-24 in a weather-delayed game. What, what are your reactions? So the weather delay was a very interesting piece of this thing, right? Because anybody that watched that game knows Notre Dame's offense was not exactly firing on all cylinders to start things off. And look, I, I, you know, you guys are talking about your NFL teams. Like I'm a Cubs fan, I'm a Bears fan. So a Chicago sports fan, right? Yeah. Rain delays are good for my teams, apparently, because you got the rain delay for the Cubs in the World Series, propels them off to win game seven. This rain delay for Notre Dame, I think, did them some good things. They were able to kind of get back to the drawing board. Uh, they they came out, obviously, first play out of the rain delay, hit that 80-yard touchdown run by Audric Estime with a little bit of a different formation. I don't know if you guys noticed, they brought their left tackle, All-American Joe Alt, put him on the right side mm-hmm. outside of Fisher, who's a potential All-American right tackle. And so they had their both their tackles on one side, and surprise, surprise, they ran right behind both of those guys. And uh, NC State didn't uh, didn't adjust, and 80 yards later, Notre Dame had control of that game. So it was a 
It was a well-hard-fought game for all the struggles that Notre Dame had offensively. The defense was just about flawless. I mean, they they were flying to the football. They were doing good things defensively. And even though the offense struggled, they still put up 45 offensive points. Like, sign me up for a struggling day of putting up 45 points. So I, I think... You know, everything that they did wrong is very fixable. It's not like, man, their athletes are better than our athletes or, or whatever. Everything's very fixable at practice. Some technique stuff, some, you know, things of that nature. I think they're going to be fine. And like I said, an off night and you're still scoring 45, that's 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 putting in some work. Yeah, yeah. You know, Aaron and I, we were kind of intrigued. Like, I'm sure a lot of people were. Uh, obviously, the first two games, not ideal measuring sticks if you're in our sure. game. Uh, but you know, to their credit and coach Freeman, they took care of business like they should have. And, uh, then this game, like was kind of being built up as, okay, the first, like maybe screw test. And like you just alluded to, uh, you know, Notre Dame kind of struggled and, and still 45 points. So that's encouraging to see. And, you know, Hartman, I'm just looking at their stats, 731 yards passing, uh, estimate had 345 yards rushing, um Tyree leaves the receiving core with 128 yards and so just uh are you surprised at all by some of those numbers or some of the people leading those numbers well it, it's funny you bring up Hartman's numbers right and everybody was like oh Hartman's he's not playing well he's not doing very well and he ended up throwing for just shy of 300 yards no interceptions he did have the fumble you got to protect the football he had two fumbles one was recovered by Notre Dame, one was recovered by NC State. Got to protect the football, obviously. But he still threw for four touchdowns. Like, again, off day, almost 300 yards and four scores. Like, okay, I'll take that. Um, the other guys, look, the first game, I believe he threw to 11 different receivers. Second game, he threw to 10 different receivers. This game, he threw to eight different receivers. People are talking about, man, there's a lack of a number one receiver for Notre Dame. And, yeah, the receivers, I think, need to step up just a little bit at this point but they don't need a number one receiver because I think they've got three or four number two receivers and Hartman's going to find whoever's open. I mean, that's what you get with a 60 year quarterback who has been there, done that. And uh, I I'm really happy with the way he's played. He didn't play very well at the beginning of the game, but as my buddy uh, Sean on our show and the post game show that we did on Saturday night, He's the adult in the room. Like, they're going to follow his lead. I mean, he's literally the adult in the room. I mean, he's 24 years old, right? He's a six-year senior. So they're going to follow his lead. He never got rattled. They never got rattled. And they end up doing exactly what you just said. And so they're putting up numbers offensively. Uh, it was a little sloppy, but all things that they can work out. Central Michigan next week, kind of a get-right game. You know, they can kind of work on some of that stuff before the big one. And that's Ohio State at night at Notre Dame Stadium. So... We've all got that one circled on the calendar. I will be there. Yeah. In the concession stand with my team working. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it on the little screen, but you can hear the cheers, man. Yeah, yeah, I will hear. You know, the interesting thing is this is my second game doing it with our basketball team. And, uh, you know, I I have Hulu streaming. And so it's always like a, you know, delay. So I... I kind of know what's going on. <laughs> Here, the big cheer, and the, oh, something good is going to happen, you know. Or, or they start moaning, and and uh, I was like, okay, what what happened? What was wrong? So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, but you're going to be there, man. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. I, I'm really looking for. I mean, everybody is right. Everybody's looking forward to the night games. I mean, you've got 
Ohio State coming in with what they've been doing. You got USC coming in at night. I mean, the night games in general are great atmosphere at Notre Dame. You got two top quality opponents coming in. And then, of course, you go on the road to Clemson. Those are the big three. That'll probably end up being a night game as well. So, you know, little plug for Irish Breakdown. Make sure you guys tune in. The post-game show, we come in right after the game is over and go to the wee hours of the night, especially when it's a, a, a night game like that. So sleep is not something that we do generally on a night game, but hey, it's okay because those are the fun ones, especially when they when Notre Dame's victorious. Well, I don't know what else is better than to do after a game and listen to the Irish breakdown and get all of the you know the the you know the analysts breakdown and you know the stats and all that stuff, especially on the ride home and you know, yeah, man, great idea. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we those are our biggest shows, man. I think we had twelve or thirteen hundred people watching after the NC State game on Saturday. So that was a lot of fun. And it's 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 still very surreal. Um, you know, you get you know, you mentioned you guys do it for fun, and there's no doubt that's how we started. We weren't getting paid at a dime, and we were just kind of having some fun with it, like 30, 40 people, you know, kind of tuning in on on uh, YouTube live, and now we're up to like you know, thirteen hundred at one time. And so that's it's a lot of fun, a lot of growth, a lot of excitement. But you know what helps when Notre Dame wins? That that always helps. <laughs> it does. I, you know, uh, it's always intriguing to look at the comment section because there's people from all over the world yeah. that tune into that show. And it's like, you know, is it hard for you to go anywhere and not people like, hey, you're you're the guy on Irish Breakdown. Like, it's, you can't go shopping without someone like coming up to you. You know, it's funny. My kids think it's hilarious, frankly. Uh, you know, I, I still think it's very weird. It's it's awesome to meet people, but it's very straight. Like in Martin's, for example, is pushing the cart. Somebody will come up and say something. We were out to eat and like the bartender came over and he's like, hey, you know, anything for the Irish breakdown guy? And he like turned the football game on for me. We were out to eat, you know, like, like, OK, man, thanks. Appreciate it. You know. But uh, no, it's awesome. It's still surreal because I just sit in my basement and look into my laptop and just talk Notre Dame football. And it's crazy to me that people actually listen. Uh, so, but it's awesome. It's great, man. We, we have a great Irish Breakdown family out there. So Notre Dame's ranked number nine. I'm sure you yeah. saw the AP poll. Uh, does that seem right to you? Or I, I get it. I, I understand it. I get it. You know, preseason, I was like, well, they're probably like a 12 to 8 is where I would put them, like, you know, give or take. So I think they started out 13. Okay, guess that's in the neighborhood. That's fine. The best thing that Notre Dame has going for them is that they have their whole schedule in front of them, and it's not an easy schedule. And so they're going to be able to climb, you know, the poles with no problem as long as they take care of their business, right? They don't. Yes, there's going to be some scoreboard watching and things like that, especially if they end up with a loss or something along those lines. But if they take care of their business, they'll be just fine. I mean, if they can if they can beat Ohio State, you know, if they can beat Clemson, if they can beat USC, like they're going to get plenty of love from the pollsters out there. So, you know, being a top 10 team after playing an FCS team and Navy uh, and, and NC State. OK, yeah, I'm on board with that. And then they've got Central Michigan, which isn't going to turn a whole lot of heads. But they'll be undefeated going into the Ohio State game. Ohio State's going to be undefeated. Notre Dame's going to be undefeated. That's a heck of a clash. So if they win that game, whoop, they'll be rising the polls, no problem. So I got I got one more question, and I think Aaron's right. question after me here. Uh, so after I ask this question, 
and uh, hopefully you give us the answer. Maybe maybe you can't. Basically, <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, then I'm gonna let you know what our poll results were. Okay, so okay. we put on our Twitter account, or I guess it's called X now. We put on our yeah. X account. Notre Dame is three and zero. What is your confidence level that Notre Dame will beat Ohio State? So here's the options: very confident, confident, a little confident, need to see more, or no confidence. It's definitely a loss. I actually voted. I voted already. Oh, on, did you? Okay. Oh yeah, man. I got my vote in, and I I try to find line between being a fan and being an analyst. And, you know, trying to, uh, you know, take my heart out of it, right? Because I've been a Notre Dame fan my whole life. So I did pick confident. I, I didn't take the top one. I did pick confident, which at the time that I voted was the number one answer. But, and I, I was confident before, but after watching Ohio State, and they've been struggling with their new quarterback, and, you know, they've got a heck of a wide receiving core, number one wide receiving core in the country. There's no doubt about it. You know, their defense is really good. I at, no, at home, at night, with Sam Hartman and what he's going to be able to do with the offense, I'm confident. I am confident that they can get the W. Nice. nice. I like that. So here's a – there's like an hour left. So it's okay. almost, almost final results. Uh, confident is 34%. Uh, a little confident needs to see more is 33%. Ooh. Confident is 21%. And no confidence is twelve percent. So you you are in the majority. Man, barely, <laughs> barely. Well, uh, Vince, we we know you have connections to Penn High School. You're currently the dean of students, and your son Dylan is the punter and kicker for the Kingsmen. Any thoughts on Penn's season so far? Well, I, I tell you what they they started out like gangbusters. You know, going on the road to Valpo, the defending state champ. And they just handed him their lunch. Um, I wasn't really sure how that game was going to go, but if you were a Penn fan, it, it went very well, um, especially in the second half. And then, you know, week two against Mishawaka, like, man, what an atmosphere. I, that You got to give it to the community, man, for coming out for that game. It's five mm-hmm. years in the making, four years. I remember when they put that that one on hiatus because I used to do the play-by or the uh, color for Mishawaka football. And, and so they put that thing on hiatus while I was doing radio. And I was like, man, my kid's going to be a junior when they actually play again. Like that seems so far away. Here we are four years later, he's on the team. He's a junior, you know, he's a starting kicker. And I mean that at, like I was talking to my son about it. He's like, dude, he goes, dad, that was the best atmosphere I've ever seen. He's like that opening kickoff, like everybody in the stands is doing like the Notre Dame, ah, you know, and yeah. I mean, he was, he was eating it up. He was loving it. I, you know, home games, I'm in charge of the student section. And so I'm in the student section with those guys <laughs> and they're having a blast. And it was, it was an awesome atmosphere. And to be honest with you, you know, Mishawaka struck first, but then it was all Penn after that. And so, uh, great atmosphere. Penn ends up winning it. So felt good going down to cathedral. It's like, okay, measuring stick, see what things are. And they just got hammered. Like it was, it was over before it started. And that was an ugly game. Penn didn't play very well, but cathedral, it's like men versus boys. I mean, it's just a different atmosphere down there. Um, they had their get right game last week against Hammond Morton. So they're three and one offense is looking pretty good. 
you know, I'm obviously partial to the kicker, which they would have kicked a few more field goals, but that's, uh-huh. you know, that's me. <laughs> um, but uh, big game this week, big game this week against Elkhart, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it's going to be the 46th game of the week. So it's going to be on TV. Uh, the boys know it. They're pumped up about it. Uh, it's a big rival. Like they are Penn and Elkhart. I don't know if you guys are aware of this there. It's like a concerted effort to like make all Elkhart versus Penn athletics, a rivalry. Like they do um, like the, the leaders of each athletic uh, team, like the youth, they get together at, like four wins field and they do like youth bonding, like leadership stuff. And like, they are really trying to make this a rivalry situation as an analyst. It appears that Penn has the upper hand, you know, as a dad, I think Penn is going to whoop them. But, uh, you know, that again, that's the fan slash dad in me. But uh, I feel like after watching Hammond versus Elkhart, a common opponent, right? Uh, that was a shootout. It was like 40 something to 40 something. Elkhart goes down and scores at the last minute. It was a great game to watch mm-hmm. um, if you like offense, right? But then the very next, yeah, there you go, 48 38. Thank you very much. Um, but then watching Penn versus Hammond, it was 35 nothing at halftime, and Hammond never sniffed the end zone. So it's like, okay, if we're going to do the A plus A equals B equals C kind of thing, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not going to be much of a game, but it's a rivalry. Like, this is a rivalry. I know Elkhart hates Penn. I know Penn hates Elkhart. So, I mean, it's a good rivalry. Uh, so, it should be a good game. I'm looking forward. I've got some friends who are on the Penn coaching staff. I got friends who are on the Elkhart coaching staff back from my coaching days. And so, uh, it's always fun to see those guys and, and watch them uh, butt heads together. But Penn having it as a home game, you know, they got the momentum, I think. Uh, Elkhart, Elkhart had a rough game last week against Massillon, which is an amazing place to play. I don't know if you guys have ever seen their stadium. Holy smokies. Like that place is unbelievable. And uh, I think it was 55 to nothing. And so they're going to be licking their wounds a little bit, but they're going to be wanting to get a little, a little revenge against Penn after last Mm -hmm. year. You know, I, I don't see really anybody being Penn the rest of the season for the regular season and then you start looking at sectional sectional sure. two for a class six say of course six say does not start until a week later after everybody else right. does um it's 5a like that i can't remember if five a like mm, yes 5a is like five that as well say, okay yeah so yep. they get a buy uh but you look as a four team sectional care fort wayne they're three and one right now Warsaw is undefeated. You can argue that their schedule is probably not as good. Uh, and then we just talked about Elkhart, you know. Uh, yeah. D- I think like, Penn's got a decent shot at winning a sectional, something they haven't done since, what, 2019, I think? It's It's been a minute. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, they ran into Carroll in the first round last year, and it was not a pretty sight for Penn. And so I'm sure they've got revenge on their mind. Like I said, I'll I was talking to one of the coaches at Penn, and he's like, okay. He's like, you know, ideally, you know, we get either Warsaw or Elkhart in the first round, and then Carroll has to come to us for the championship. You know, that way we don't have to go down to Fort Wayne, you know, that whole – you know, every coach has the perfect scenario, you know, in their head. And I was like, well, what do you mean? The perfect scenario is you get either Elkhart or Warsaw, and then the other side, Carroll gets knocked off, and then you it doesn't matter who you got in the championship, right? <laughs> but – uh but yeah, they they've got revenge on their minds. That was an ugly game last year against Carroll. Carroll was really really good. I believe they've got a bunch of their kids back. You know, this oh, year. Solomon is back. Yeah. Yeah, they they they're a good team. Uh, so it's gonna be a dogfight if they go because I think 
I do think Penn is better than they were last year, right? They've got returning quarterback and McCullough, who is a threat through the air and on the ground. You've got Bayless at running back, who is just a tough son of a gun. Uh, I mean, he runs the ball hard, like hard. And he, I mean, he's no taller than me, but man, he's about twice as wide. And it's not my kind of wide. It's wide like he's been putting in work in the weight room. Um, and he's got some wheels if he gets into the open field. So, uh, I really like the run game that, that Penn has, and they've got some stud athletes on the outside. Like they're four by one, uh, team in the in track, they're all on the football team. And so they've got some wheels. They've got, uh, you know, Kellen Watson was third in the state in the hundred meters. Yeah. As a sophomore, like he was third in the yeah. state as a sophomore. So he's a junior. He's a wide receiver. He's made a couple of amazing catches. You got Coker out there at wide receiver who placed in the long jump at state. I mean, he can just go up and get it, you know. So they've got some weapons, you know, offensively, which is, has not been the case for Penn. Like they're willing to kind of stretch the field with the pass game. It's not all about the run game. And so their offense is a lot more dangerous this year than it has been in the past. And so I give the, the coaching staff some credit, opening up that playbook a little bit. And uh, and let McCullough kind of do his thing through the air too. So um, and then I mean, come on, the Wild Bunch defense, like they just, I I had nightmares of the Wild Bunch defense when I coached because we always played against Penn. It's nice to be on the other side of things and watching those guys fly to the football and and do their thing. And um, you know, it, it's they're a good team, and I agree with you. I think they should be favored in every game down the stretch here uh, in the regular season. But we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I just got that feeling that this could be a special year for Penn, but uh, we'll have to see it though. And uh, they, obviously, they they've taken some good steps underneath uh, Coach Yeoman, and and I, yeah. I, again, Coach Yeoman, two hundred wins, uh, a couple. Yeah, of, that's that's an incredible feat, uh, regardless of anywhere you're at. But uh, no uh, doubt, Penn High School, the only high school in the state of Indiana with two two hundred win coaches yeah. in Giesman and Yeoman. I mean, that's. That's impressive all by itself because there's a lot of really good football throughout the state. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, hey, Vince, it's been a pleasure to have you on our show. Uh, we look forward to having you back on soon. Uh, can you tell our listeners how they can plug into the Irish Breakdown podcast or any other uh, avenue? How do they do that? Absolutely. So if you're a podcast listener, you can subscribe to Irish Breakdown and anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that fun stuff. If you want to see this ugly mug, uh, you know, on our YouTube version of the podcast. So we we basically have YouTube lives uh, every day at one o'clock during the week. And then again at six o'clock at night. Um, I'm usually on at night. Can't be on at one o'clock. Usually kind of busy at that time. But Brian is on and and uh, Ryan doing some recruiting on Mondays and all that fun stuff. So one o'clock, six o'clock all the way during the week. Um, and you can check it out on YouTube. We do it live. But then obviously it's there after the fact. So YouTube, podcast, all kinds of ways to get it. And if you love Notre Dame football, if you want, like the way we we started this company, basically, called it Irish Breakdown because we're all coaches who love to break down film. And so we break it down. We're the Irish Breakdown podcast. So that was the whole reason that we called it that. And, um, you know, it's it's so much fun. It's It scratches that itch of coaching for me because I'm not coaching anymore now that I've got my new job. But it allows me to be dad, and the falls are crazy for me because I'm watching the kid kick for the football teams on Fridays, and he's also a starter on the soccer team as well. And so 
there's stuff going on all the time, man. And then you throw an Irish breakdown as well. So um, the fall is my favorite time of year, man. And uh, I know you guys dig it as well. And uh, before I go, thank you guys for what you guys are doing for high school sports, man, because it, it's awesome to interview all those coaches and put a spotlight on these kids. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so much fun to listen to you guys and, and learn about these other teams and these, and what they're doing and kids names. I mean, that's what it's all about, man, because uh, I've, and it's no offense to the newspaper side of things, but we don't get high school stuff in the paper till Sunday morning, man. And it stinks. So you guys are out there doing your thing. And so I appreciate it. I love listening. So keep it up. Well, thank you for that. And, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, make sure you listen to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, your number one source for Notre Dame football. So let's move on and topic number two, what we learned from week four of Indiana high school football in our local area. The first thing is that Northridge's line play was a key factor in their 21-25-21 comeback win against Northwood. Yeah, and if you look at some of the other surprises from this past week, you got to mention the line play as a big factor and all those wins. Maybe no more evident than that Northridge upset and uh, – yeah, what a game that was. It lived up to the hype, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I uh, underestimated Northridge linemen. Uh, lesson learned there. Uh, skilled players can be neutralized, Aaron, if you cannot control the line scrimmage on a consistent basis. Uh, makes it difficult to get the ball to the playmakers. So credit Northridge for winning the line of scrimmage allowing uh, Derek Sherwood and Braden Clark to amass over 100 yards rushing between the two of them. Yeah, I think that's well said, Will. And, uh, yeah, Northridge's lineman also allowed Clark to make, have some time to make some reads. Probably my biggest question mark with this team was their skill position. And, boy, have they proven me wrong. Uh, in particular, Chase Clark, of course, and uh, Zach Ball as well, caught a really nice touchdown pass late in the game. But it wasn't all just offense that made the big plays for the Raiders. Um, they were able to get some pressure on Raider and company with sometimes well, four guys, but sometimes even three down linemen. So, you know, they sat back in a, somewhat of a zone, kind of kept everything in front of them. It was interesting to watch their uh, – scheme against all those power or all those playmakers for Northwood, you know, and then they were able to kind of be opportunistic. Connor Roth got an interception in the first half. Brock Thompson had a huge sack that ended Northwood's drive right before halftime. That was a key play. Then you had that uh, sophomore Tucker Baber. Um, he had that penalty early in the game and he kind of redeemed himself in a big way with two interceptions in the last six minutes of the fourth quarter yeah that's well said Aaron you know Tuggle dropped a, a sure touchdown pass that probably would have extended the lead enough that uh maybe change the outcome of the game but you know coach Andrews uh, I think he'll use this loss for motivation and uh yeah. tell what the Panthers have corrected some of the things that led to the loss uh, Northridge beat Northwood without their stud running back, McLean Miller. Uh, we had a chance uh, to interview both Tucker Baber and Coach Epley after the game, and here's what they had to say. 
Coach Epley, congratulations on the big win tonight. Thank you. What are your thoughts? Well, I, my first thought is I know you guys picked us to lose. That's my first thought. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Uh, but, no, I think we played an amazing game. Uh, we finally were able to put a full full game together. Um, we made some mistakes. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we talk about our team plateauing later on the season. So we still have stuff to learn from this. So I, it was a good win for us, but we got to keep moving on. You know, Aaron's a uh, Northridge grad, so he's probably oh, yeah. pretty happy tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, hey, Coach, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, we're here with uh, Tucker Gaber, and he had two big interceptions tonight to help the Raiders upset the Northwood Panthers. How you feeling right now? Uh, really good. I mean, that's that's the most fun football I've ever played in my life. Uh, that's just fun group of guys to play with. I love those coaches. I would do anything for those dudes, and I know they do the same. And like, you thank God that you get to play football every day. You wake up in the morning and you have the ability to play football. And really, I mean, you just trust. You trust everyone. You do your job, and that's all you do. And if you do that, you're going to be successful. Okay, let's move on to the second thing we learned, and that is John Glenn's NIC North-South Division title hopes got resuscitated. Yeah, another example of why linemen are important. Uh, Jim Towns' tough loss to John Glenn. They were a bit banged up up front, including their best lineman in Cole Dutton. You know, the Jimmys only had 23 yards of total offense in the first half. So I think a part of that is what, what they're dealing with up front, and credit to John Glenn as well. Absolutely. You know, Chase Miller hit his favorite target in Tyrone Larkin for two touchdown passes for a 12-0 halftime lead. Now, Jimtown did make it interesting in the second half as Bishop Williams scored on a one-yard uh, run to cut the lead to 12-7 with just 7.53 in the fourth quarter, but Jimtown was unable to complete the comeback as John Glenn got their first win at Jimtown since 1990. The third thing we learned from this past week is that Bremen gets a big road win at Triton, 28-21. Yeah, well, junior quarterback Silas Leidig threw for 305 yards and three touchdowns in a really standout performance and two of those touchdown passes went to junior wideout Tyrus Graverson and he finished with 192 yards receiving. Austin Young rushed for 113 yards and a touchdown as well for the Lions. The fourth thing we learned is that New Prairie overcomes a slow start to extend the winning streak to three. Yeah this game was tied early in the first half seven to seven with seconds remaining a flag was on Marion that enabled a field goal try for the Cougars, and they capitalized on that to take a 10-7 lead at halftime. New Prairie took control in the second half. Reed Robinson scored a one-yard run on a one-yard run. Marshall Kamisic took one rush 70 yards to the house to kind of seal the deal for New Prairie. New Prairie rattled off 24 straight points in the second half to put this game away. Uh, Marion's Brian Osmond ran for a score with no time remaining to make the game look closer than what it really was. Uh, ever since that loss to LaPorte, New Prairie has outscored opponents, Aaron, 107-30. to 30. The fifth thing that we learned is that St. Joe is an emerging team. Adams losing the way surprised some people considering how competitive they were against Culver Academy and Riley. Hayden Miller's 43-yard pick six for the Indians right before halftime was a huge blow to the Eagles. 
and Franco Biffle added a three-yard touchdown run to open the third quarter, and the route was on for St. Joe over Adams. You know, Aaron, since that week one loss to Lakeland, the Indians have won three in a row. The sixth thing that we learned from last week is that Plymouth gets their first road win since 2019 as they beat Wawasee 25-19. to Yeah, I watched this one over on IHSATV.org. This had a lot of nice highlights, even some questionable calls, depending on what side of this rivalry you're on. In the end, however, both teams, I feel like, had a chance to win. The Rockies took advantage of their chances, and this was just a really fun and competitive game, which is a good thing for these schools. Yeah, and for Plymouth, it was all about Xander Ramirez. He had 180 yards passing, 145 yards rushing. You know, Coach Hanley continued to turn this program around. It's been a fascinating to watch. The seventh thing we learned is that Warsaw's defense shines in a 10-3 win over Concord. Yeah, talk about a defensive slugfest, Will. You had the staunch defense of Concord and the Tigers' defense, of course. Warsaw made a few more big plays on offense to get the win. Let's run down some of these key plays. We had uh, Warsaw's Cohen Heaty had a huge sack to force Concord to take a 43-yard field goal attempt, which they missed. And then Warsaw's Ethan Golf, E-Golf, sorry, intercepted Hudson Glance deep in Warsaw territory. Also, you had Reed Zollinger score from three yards out in the second quarter for the Tigers. You know, Warsaw even made a big fourth down stand in their own territory late in the quarter. And Mason Smythe connected on a 34-yard field goal late in the third quarter to increase the Warsaw lead. Uh, Tristan Wilson would pick off Glance another time on the ensuing possession. And Concord had more chances late in the game. They were deep in Warsaw territory. But two straight sacks kind of put an end to that scoring threat for the Minutemen. With five minutes to go in the game, Concord did get on the scoreboard with a field goal. And then um, after that, though, they couldn't capitalize on a Warsaw fumble in their own territory. As once again, the Tigers' defensive pressure for several incompletions that led to a turnover on downs. And that kind of sealed the deal for Warsaw. You know, Coach Curtis uh, is pleased with the defensive side of the ball. Uh, for good reason, uh, they're playing mm-hmm. good football on that side of the ball. Turnovers and penalties are two areas, though, that the Tigers need to improve on if they want to beat the upper echelon teams of the NLC and make a deeper run in the tournament. The eighth thing we learned was that Fairfield overcomes a halftime deficit to beat Culver Academy on the road, 39-31 to in overtime. Yeah, it was quite the quite the game for Brecken Marion for Fairfield. He rushed 33 times for 141 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Fairfield had a total as a team, 392 total rushing yards. So they were definitely all about the run, as most people know who follow Fairfield. So great job by Coach Thacker, his staff, and players for getting this big road win. Yeah, Aaron, this is the type of momentum win uh, or a confident booster that yeah. can, can really help a team to take that next step. So the Falcons are 3-1. and one. Uh, They have some good tests coming up with West Noble at home, 
at Garrett, uh, at Lakeland, back-to-back games. Uh, we will know a lot more about this team during that stretch. Okay, let's move on to topic number three, and that's our weekly top ten. This is for week four. Starting at number ten, we have Elkhart receiving 11 votes. Ninth is St. Joe with 17 votes. Uh, we had a tie for seven between Concord and New Prairie, 47 votes. Six is Riley, 51 votes. Warsaw, fifth, 76 votes. Uh, just above them is in fourth place, Northwood with 77 votes. Northridge is third with 94 votes. Second is Mishawaka, 108 votes. And of course, Penn number one with 120 votes. Um, we had several teams in the honorable mention. John Glenn, nine votes. LaVille, three votes. Marion, also three votes. And both Jimtown and Fairfield receiving one vote each. Uh, Aaron, uh, any thoughts on this week's top 10? You know, it was interesting to see how some local coaches and media members, how they voted with the result of the Northridge game. Um, I think it's interesting, understandable. Uh, then you have new a new entry in the St. Joe cracking the top 10. And one question I have is I wonder if Riley can crack that top five this year. We'll see a lot of their more difficult games are at the end of the season. We'll see if they can crack that top five maybe. Um, obviously, Jimtown Bremen might have something to, something to say about that. How do you feel about it, Will? That's a great question. Uh, I, you know, as someone say, that's why you play the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next couple of weeks will really – uh, we're going to see who the pretenders are and the contenders are for um, not only conference championships, but also within our top 10 uh, rankings, mm-hmm. uh, who can move up, who can move down, and uh, whatever the case may be. So, Well, Aaron, for our fourth topic, uh, we're titling this The Legacy of Don Bungie. Uh, Bremen football lost one of their own recently, and Coach uh, Don Bungie is the father of Bremen football. You know, he's a World War II veteran. You know, Coach Reese started the Bremen football program in 1955. He is the uh, the starting point of the Long Green Line. Uh, he was a Bremen head coach for 33 years, where he won the 1989 Class 1A state title. He was inducted into the Indiana Football Hall of Fame in 1988 and inducted into the University of Indianapolis Hall of Fame in 1994. Uh, Coach Bungie accumulated 142 wins, which is the most all-time in Bremen history. And we are fortunate and grateful to have Coach Jordan Leeper, Coach Bungie, former player Coach Rich Dotson, and former Jimtown head coach Bill Sharp come on our show to discuss legacy of Don Bungie, and here's what they had to say. So let's start off with uh, former Jimtown football head coach, Bill Sharp, four-time state champion, Indiana Hall of Fame for football. Uh, coach Sharp, it's a uh, joy to have you on the show as a former player of yours and someone who loves up to you. And uh, Aaron, you got to pinch me and make sure that this is actually real, that uh, uh, Coach Sharp is with us. But thank you for joining our show. 
Oh, shoot. Well, I, I, anytime you ask me something, I'll do it. I, I, I enjoy, I know all the, all the good things that you do, and I appreciate you and your doing it. It's, it's definitely my pleasure to be here. So, Coach, uh, and, and thank you for that. Uh, Coach Sharp, um, what does the legacy of Don Bungie mean to you? Well, it, Coach Bungie was uh, was definitely a, a leader. I mean, it's incredible all the things that he did at Bremen. And uh, a lot of people don't know this. Jim Town and Bremen didn't start playing football. We, uh, we played in a lot of other sports. We didn't start playing football until I'm guessing sometime around 80. Two or 83, 84 around there because they were in a different conference at the time. And we met uh, the first time that uh, the first time that we played them, uh, they were in the Northern Lakes Conference and we were in the Northern States Conference. And we, I believe we had won a sectional in football. They had won a sectional. And, well, this was in the old days when you had to win to get in. It wasn't like it is now where everybody's in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So you had to win, you, you accumulated points, and uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a long-gone system. Anyway, we had won, and we won our first first game with the sectional championship. We won Bremen won, and so we played at uh, – at Bremen, and that's the first time, and uh, that, that's the first time that I had the opportunity to uh, uh, really get to get really get to uh, compete against Coach Bungie. Uh, we we played at Bremen. It was a great game. Jimtown uh, won in overtime, uh, and I still well. I tell you, so I can still remember this. I can tell you, we uh, they kicked a field goal uh, to go ahead in the overtime. And uh, we ended up having a fourth down from inside the one, and we we were not going to kick a field goal. We were going to go for it. I can still I can still remember. we played we ran wing right power left. Mm-hmm. So Todd works. I mean I, I still remember that. And Todd got in by about uh, a foot. Wow. And, and we won the game. Now here here's a here's a great funny story about that. Uh, I told you, I mentioned that Coach Bungie Bremen was in the Northern Lakes Conference with Concord and all those schools. Well, about two nights before we played him, Tom Kahn, Tom was a, a very successful head football coach at uh, Concord High School. Mm-hmm. And and, and we, it really, uh, we became good friends. Tom called me the night before we played, uh, the night before we, we played uh, Bremen, he said, whatever you do, if you win the game, don't go over and tell Coach Bungie good game. <laughs> because he will not he he, because the first thing he's gonna say, it can't be a good game if, if you lost. Yeah. So I I remember I was scared to death. Well, we won the game in overtime. And as we're walking across the field. I still remember I grabbed J.D. Russell. I said, I'm not doing this by myself. You could, I mean, Coach Bungie was a legend at that time. Yeah. And I was not going to go over that. So I grabbed J.D. I said, you're coming with me. <laughs> so J.D. and I walked over there, and we shook hands, and we really didn't say much. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's really kind of neat. Uh, three months later, we were at the state football clinic, and Coach Bungie was there. I believe he was speaking. Coach Bungie was there, and after the game – or excuse me, after he, after the clinic was over with, he came down and uh, 
talk to me. And the first thing he said, I just want you to know, I thought you guys played hard. He said, but we should have never allowed you to run that sweep on second down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he still, he was still as competitive. He yeah. still remembered. And then what was really kind of neat was uh, I umpired a lot of baseball games back then at Bremen. Uh, they played at the, uh, they played at the high school, which they really had a neat feel. It was just Bremen is such a cool place, and they had a baseball diamond wheel that you. It was, I mean, it was it was Americana. It was right next to the high school. Uh, if you hit a home run, it would bounce and, and hit the school. It was just a neat place. And Coach Bungie would ride his bike down, and every time I umpired, he was always at those games. And in between innings, I'd always walk back to the backstop and. Uh, We'd talk for about oh, two or three minutes, whatever it took, you know, the teams to get warmed up. And we really developed a, a good relationship. And uh, he, he just was really an outstanding teacher and a, a really, really nice man. And he started the long green line. I mean, he's everything that he's he's Bremen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, and I'm sure if you talk to the coaches or Marty and Ted Huber, were, they played for him and they coached for him. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, it, you know, he came back out of retirement and coached a year uh, back in the, in, I think it was in the 90s. I can't remember, but he, he just was a very, very special person, uh, a wonderful teacher. And, uh, he, you know, he, he did everything the right way. Well, we have the privilege and honor to have on our show the current Bremen football head coach, Jordan Leeper. And uh, coach, um, uh, we're doing this segment called The Legacy of Don Bungie. And uh, we thought, why not reach out to the current head coach who has deep ties within the Bremen program? Um, Can you just talk about what... Don Bungie means to Bremen football and the legacy that he has. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to to cover Coach Bungie and and, and what he meant to the Bremen community. It was a, it's a huge honor to to have my current position to to kind of follow in the footsteps of of somebody like him. And you know, hopefully, I'm doing a decent job at it, and hopefully, make him proud in the way we approach the game. But um, you know, Coach Bungie meant a lot to a lot of different people. Um, my dad played for him. My uncle played for him. I had several cousins play for him. So, you know, I got, I got to grow up hearing stories of the Bremen football and, and coach Bungie. And, and even though, you know, he wasn't the coach when I was a little kid, you know, we still had that, the stories that were told and, um, to listen to the, the old timers talk about coach Bungie and the way he approached the game and, and his demeanor. And it was, uh, kind of got my itch for Bremen football and then to grow up through it uh, was really cool to see and, and him being out of practice all the time. And, you know, there was that stat that he missed one game up until his 95th birthday, which is, you know, the better part of, you know, 60 years of Bremen football, which is quite impressive. That is, that is incredible. Well, we are uh, really humbled and uh, fortunate and grateful to have with us, uh, former Northwood football head coach Rich Dotson. He's a one-time uh, state ch- champion in 2005. Also took uh, the Panthers uh, down to the state finals, I believe, a few times other uh, other years. 
was inducted into the Indiana High School Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, that is. Uh, and he is a former player of uh, Don Bungie. Uh, Coach, welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. Oh, thank you. Uh, so we wanted to uh, just simply ask you, what is the legacy of Don Bungie mean to you? Oh, uh, well, Coach Bungie uh, really was like uh, my second father. Um, he was uh, someone that made you accountable for things that uh, you did, whether it was right or wrong. You were accountable for it. Um uh, which meant he was a, a strong disciplinarian. Uh, Coach Bungie uh, was a World War II veteran. He was a paratrooper. Um, and sometimes uh, our practices represented uh, probably some of the things he went through in his basic training. He was uh, believed in really conditioning young men uh, for the physical game of football. What what was it like playing for him? Um, you know, the, the man was uh, very uh, loyal to his players. It didn't always sometimes seem like it. Uh, in practice, uh, all he had to say was your name and, and only his voice, like if he was talking to me or I did something wrong, it was like, that's like, you know, um, it drew your attention. Mm-hmm. But um, it, he was uh, always stuck up for his players. But he also also at times made it pretty tough on his players too. But um, he was a Christian man, uh, never swore. Never used the curse word, uh, which uh, it's kind of changed a little bit, uh, I think, in, in coaching today. I just think uh, coaches sometimes get a little emotional and carried away with some of their language. But he was um, very straightforward with uh, what he had to say, and he, he never put any of us down to the point where we didn't want to come back and play for him because that was a thing you wanted to play for him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, well said, Coach. Uh, thank you so much for sharing the legacy of Don Bungie, and um, uh, we appreciate it. Coach Don J. Bungie was born on July 22nd, 1923, he passed away peacefully on September 3rd, 2023. He was 100 years old. We will pause 10 seconds to honor Coach Bungie. Aaron, it's time to do our topic number five. That's our spotlight game of the week. Let's start with some matchups to watch here uh, between New Prairie and St. Joe. Um, I think uh, um, New Prairie's run offense and St. Joe's run defense will be a spectacular matchup to watch throughout the game. Uh, Who can push who around on the offensive-defensive lines there? Uh, Can New Prairie get their ground game going? 
Um, and so, uh, um, which they're, they're going to have to to set up the pass. Um, and St. Joe will need to get the Cougars into obvious passing downs where um, they can, uh, you know, uh, third and long situations. Yeah, another matchup to watch is two great coaches and their staffs going back and forth, adjustments and stuff like that, and also just their game plan going into this. We're talking about Ben Downey and Coach McKim. So, you know, which which side's going to make those adjustments throughout the game? You know, I think a lot of us that like to th- talk about coaching will really enjoy this matchup between these two coaches. Absolutely. And let's move on to the keys of the game here. And let's start with St. Joseph Indians. Uh, they got to have balance on offense, uh, both running and passing the ball, kind of keeping uh, New Prairie guessing. Uh, limit the big plays. You know, anybody that follows New Prairie football knows that uh, they love the big play. Um, the 70-yard run, 82-yard uh, pass, you know. Um, and they get you to suck up on a line, you know, and, and pack it in, and all of a sudden they throw it over top. Um, you got to really limit those big plays if you're St. Joe. You got to get off to a quick start, a uh, fast start. Uh, the faster start you have, the more pressure you put on New Prairie. And, uh, you know, the longer the, ga- the game goes and, and maybe St. Joe's ahead, uh, maybe you pull New Prairie out of their game plan. And, and that's where they're really not comfortable, which is passing when you have to. Way different passing when you have to versus passing when you're not expecting it. Yeah. And on New Prairie's side, some keys, uh, number one, control the line of scrimmage. I think that goes without saying with football, and obviously it's going to be an interesting matchup from both sides on the offense and defensive line. Number two, limit those mistakes and penalties. I don't think you can do that against a team like St. Joe. Number three, you got to limit explosive plays of St. Joe's offense. And the fourth one, win the turnover battle. Well, Aaron, let's do our topic number six, Will and Aaron weekly picks. Uh, and we got five great games here. And uh, with us is the South Bend St. Joe boys basketball head coach, Coach Gaff. Uh, we are uh, very fortunate and, and uh, humbled that uh, Coach Gaff agreed to come to our show to be our guest picker for this week. Uh, and so... Our first game is going to be Northwood and Warsaw. Now, Northwood obviously did not play well last week. Turnovers, penalties, defensive miscues, doomed the Panthers. Uh, Warsaw will need to get off to a a quick start, though. Uh, They're not really a team that is built to come from behind. Uh, Staying on schedule, avoiding those long-distance downs is crucial for the Tigers. Uh, You know, Warsaw simply cannot beat themselves. Uh, and I I do like Warsaw's offensive line, uh, and I think they will be able to move the pile forward against Northwood's defensive line and front seven. Uh, obviously, I think Northwood will load the bats and kind of almost dare Coach Curtis to call some pass plays. Uh, Warsaw's defense uh, will need to come through like they did last week with getting some key stops and forcing some turnovers. You know, um, 
Aaron, you made a good point the other day. Teams that can run and pass seem to have more success against this Panthers team than run heavy run teams. Uh, I think Warsaw will play a cleaner game and keep this a close game, but um, we'll have to see how this game plays plays out. Uh, Aaron, you're uh, up first. What do you got? Well, I think an interesting trend in this series is that Northwood hasn't won at Warsaw since 2015, and really both teams have traded home wins since then. So, you know, I look for the Panthers to respond, bounce back on the road in this one, like you. I think they'll play better as far as mistakes go, miscues. I think they'll definitely improve on what they showed against uh, Northridge, and I like them to get the big NLC win. Okay, so Aaron, you're going with the Northwood Panthers. Coach Gaff, um, who do you got? Well, uh, you guys did give me some easy picks here. I think um, I think Northwood, after an emotional loss that they just had against Northridge, I think this week they're going to get it together and clean themselves up, and I would I picked them to be Warsaw uh, in a big NLC clash. Okay, so you got Warsaw. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick uh, – sorry, I'm going to pick Northwood. My apologies, I'm going to pick oh, Northwood. Northwood? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwood Panthers. All right, well, uh, I think this could be a close game to the end, but I'm like you guys. I think Northwood will make the plays they need to towards the end of the game. Um, and I, I like the Panthers bouncing back, giving Warsaw their first loss of the season to keep their – uh, to keep Northwood's NLC hopes alive. So all three of us got Northwood. Uh, so let's move on to the second game. That is Knox Redskins versus John Glenn uh, Falcons here. Now, next year, this game will be a conference game when both teams will be in the uh, reformed Northern State Conference. Knox is 4-0, uh, but has largely beaten bad teams. North Justin is their best win a two-way school, and, and they barely beat them. And with that said, they are still a solid team that loves to run the ball. Uh, Knotts is a better offensive team than they are a defensive team. John Glenn will need a score in the 20s probably to have a chance. Uh, the trio of Chase Miller, Mason Cobell, and Tyron Larkin are impact players for the Falcons. Uh, need to make big plays in this game. Now, like always, the battle of the line of scrimmage is going to be key. Uh, John Glenn's win at Jimtown, I think that raised a lot of eyebrows in our communities. Uh, before that win, I would have probably picked Knotts with a lot of confidence, but now this game, I think, has more intrigue to it. Uh, a very intriguing battle of longtime coaches here. Both Radke and Coach Barron have 527 wins between the two of them. Uh, last year, Knotts won 42-21. I do anticipate a closer game this time around. Aaron, who do you got? Yeah, I think another potential they could face again in the sectional 26. Um, I, like you, think this will be a much closer game than last year. The Falcons are kind of in the thick, uh, thick of a four-game road stretch. This will be game three of four on the road. So, And so far, they've won two in a row. I, you know, logically, I think at some point that'll catch up to you. But I'm going to go with a slight edge to John Glenn. I like their trio that you mentioned. I think they make some big plays late to kind of pull a slight upset, if you will. So I'll take John Glenn over Knox. Okay, and Coach Gaff, who do you have? 
I'm going to go the other way. I think the long road stretch, I think that wears the team down. And uh, I do think home field advantage does play a big part uh, in football, especially. So I'm going to pick Knox in this one. Okay. You know, I, Coach, I like your pick. I'm also going with Knotts. Uh, they know what it is like to win these big games. They've been in a lot of them recently. In fact, last year they won a sectional. Uh, they'll be locked in for this contest, especially with John Cohen's big win against Jimtown last week. I think that probably got their players' attention even more. I'm going to go with the Knotts Redskins to win this game. Our next game, West Noble and Fairfield Falcons here. Now, this NECC Big Division battle uh, has title implications. Uh, West Noble is on top of the division right now. Uh, they have the largest margin of victory in the entire conference. Uh, this is Fairfield's first Big Division conference game. Uh, West Noble hasn't really played anyone, though. Fairfield has played a tougher schedule up to this point. I think last week's win has increased confidence for the Falcons, the, um, alluding to their win against Culver Academy, and among their fan base. Uh, Brecken Moran uh, is averaging right around 116 yards rushing per game. He's a, a very quick, fast uh, running back. Uh, he actually returned a kickoff for a touchdown, and nearly a, return, a punt return for a touchdown, and they're lost to Heritage in week number two. Now, Fairfield doesn't throw the ball much, as a lot of people know, just averaging 40 passing yards per game. West Noble, far more balanced on offense. Their quarterback, Drew Yates, uh, averaging about 97 yards a game passing and also rushing for 101 yards a game. Uh, he's Mr. Do-It-All. And still, Pruitt is averaging 167 yards rushing per game. Uh, he's a low to tackle, uh, just a big body frame. Uh, Fairfield will need a game tackle and rally to the ball. You know, I think Fairfield does struggle defending the pass. If you just look at the Heritage game, uh, that was very uh, evident. I don't think that West Noble is on the same level as Heritage, though, in their passing attack, but it, it is effective enough to kind of give me some pause for concern. Uh, Fairfield has to stay on schedule, avoid the negative plays, got to get three to four yards a pop on their rush uh, rush attempts. Cannot get in those third and long situations. West Noble has a sizable defensive line. Uh, that fullback dive with the center may not work as effectively. Uh, anybody that runs a tri- triple option knows that if you don't have success with the fullback, it makes it very difficult to use other options in the triple option. Turnovers and penalties also be a key factor. Aaron, who do you got? You know, it's hard to argue with your breakdown here. The Chargers have scored over 40 points in three of those four wins so far. The Falcons give up on an average of 20 and a half points a game. You know, it'll be interesting to see what gives in this one. This feels like a lot closer game than last year's 33-7 to Westonable win. With that being said, though, I like Westonable's more balanced attack. I will take the Chargers over Fairfield. I will say I won't be surprised if Fairfield wins. This one's, like Coach Gaff said, these games this week are pretty tough to pick. Absolutely. Coach Gaff, what do you got? Yeah, again, guys, you got to make it easier for a first-time bet. <laughs> um, I kind of echo some of the things you guys said. It just seems like West Noble has just a really strong, balanced approach. Um, 
I think it's just going to be a load for Fairfield to get over the top on them. So I'm going to go with West Noble in this one. Okay. So uh, I am going to uh, likewise go with West Noble. I think Fairfield will make enough plays early on to keep this game close for a while. Uh, but I think West Noble just too much firepower on offense. I think they pull away at the end. Um, so as we move on to Jimtown Bremen, Coach Gab, I do want to let you know our first two guest pickers both went three and two. So I think there's a shot. You might be our number one guest picker record-wise. That's what I'm here for. All right. I'm here That's for right. <laughs> hey, I, I hear all the time that you deliver. So <laughs> You talk to the wrong people then. <laughs> so uh we all know this is a rival game here. Uh these two teams, uh long standing tradition of, of great matchups. Uh after losing to Laville, uh we're talking about Bremen, uh after losing to Laville, uh they've looked pretty good since then. Silas laid their quarterback and Tyrus Graverson, both juniors by the way, are a dynamic duo in the passing game. Bremen can run too. Uh, Bremen will load the bots. I think they'll load the bot just like John Glenn did uh, against Jimtown last week with eight or nine, maybe even ten players, uh, basically putting everybody up there to force Jimtown to throw. Um, you know, Jimtown is in a position that they have not been in a while, which is, uh, and when I mean a lot, a while, like 1979 while, that's the last time the Jimmy had a losing record. They were two and eight. And I found out today from my mom, or actually my dad, that my uncle was actually on that losing team when I went two and eight. That's how long ago it was. Um, Coach Stoner and the Jimmys have their backs against the wall right now. Uh, Coach, you can attest to this. You can learn a lot about people when you're in the Valley moments. You know, it's easy when everything is happy go lucky, but when you're in those Valley moments, uh, character comes out. You kind of get to know who people truly are, and you know I think Jimtown will need to dig deep here. Um, I I think you'll see a heavy dosage, perhaps maybe a Bishop Williams. Um, I think he's got to have a lot of touches. He's a six foot four, two twenty five Division one athlete. Uh, ran the state finals at track last year. I think he just needs to get a lot of touches, however that may look, whether it's a wide receiver, quarterback, or a running back here. Uh, Aaron, what do you got here? Man, this one's tough. Big game for both sides. You know, I like, like you mentioned, uh, I think Jimtown comes out, finds a way to get back on the winning side. Um, but Bremen, they're kind of due for a win in this series. They haven't, they're looking for their first win since 2016. They came pretty close in 2020. They have that dynamic duo that you mentioned. They have that ability to get it done. However, I think I already said it. I kind of spoiled this. I like Jim, the Jimmies to rebound at home. So I'll take Jimtown over Bremen. You know, the Stoner family will be happy to utter the words Jimtown. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're welcome back to the, to the uh, family gathering here. Uh, Coach Gaff, uh, who do you got? Man, I'm going to have to go with, uh, go with Bremen. I just think Jimtown is just... I know they play hard. You know, that's uh, the MO of, of Jimtown Jimmy since back in the day when I was in high school and, and all the way back before that, that they just will fight. But I just think Bremen's got the upper hand this week, and, and I would expect Bremen to come on top. All right. So picking the Bremen Lions there and with Coach Leeper and company. Uh, you know, logic would say, and on paper, Bremen Lions 
to pick them. Uh, but I believe that Jim Town will have a great week of practice. The players will come out with a lot of passion. Uh, I think they'll execute at a high level. Uh, I think we'll see a different team than what we saw last week. Uh, some of the locals may have termed it as perhaps a lackluster effort. Uh, that's not my words, that's theirs. But uh, you know what? I like Jim Town pulling off a slight upset here. I'm going with the Jimmies. Okay, this we're finally here. This is why Coach Gaff is on our show here to announce the New Prairie St. Joe uh, winner here. So, you know, when St. Joe hired uh, Coach Ben Downey, uh, I just sensed there was an immediate expectation that the program uh, would be back. And I think we're witnessing that transformation this season. Alex Ortiz has been a big reason why. Uh, St. Joe is getting better line play, both on offense and defense. The big boys are winning the line scrimmage more often than not. Uh, St. Joe has talent in the skill positions, maybe more so than they have in years past. The roster up and down uh, is improved from last year, and it's really a testament to player development, the coaching staff, and the players. Uh, it's clear that St. Joe is on the rise again. However, can they beat the lights of a new prairie? Can St. Joe perform at their best when the lights shine bright on a bigger stage? It's one thing to beat Fort Wayne South, Washington, and Adams, all of which have a combined record of 2 and 10. It's an entirely different thing to beat a program like New Prairie, a, a, a team that recently went down to the state finals. Aaron, who do you got? You know... Both teams are 3-0 and since week one losses. And like you mentioned, New Prairie's schedule has been more difficult so far. Uh, St. Joe's five-point loss in week one to Lakeland looking like a pretty respectful loss. Lakeland's doing pretty well. New Prairie's had the upper hand in this uh, series past decade. When you look at conference matchups or postseason meetings, the last St. Joe win came in 2018. That was a sectional game. You know, this one's really tough again. I think I'm going to stick, or I'm going to pick New Prairie, even though it's on the road. I think this will be one of those good measuring stick type games for St. Joe. I look for them to make it a competitive four-quarter game, but New Prairie proves just to have a little too much on both ends of the field. Oh, okay. Aaron going with the Cougars. Coach, Gav, who do you got? New Prairie or St. Joe? I would say I got to go with St. Joe, my guy, BD. Um, man, I've watched him, you know, when he took it back over, I've watched behind the scenes, you know, we share an office and he's done an incredible job with the guys. And I think, you know, I know the past three wins aren't against teams that are powerhouses by any means, but, you know, I do believe that teams sometimes forget how to win. And I think St. Joe went through a pretty rough stretch. And I think those three wins are going to be big for them and have some confidence some swag. And uh, so I'm going to pick pick my guys to pull it off and uh, get a big uh, hallmark win of the season and knock off New Prairie. Coach Gaff going with the St. Joe Indians. Uh, as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> now, Coach McKim likes the mindset of his players. It feels like New Prairie is back to where it, they're, they're used to being, which is a dominant football team. Uh, you know, it's safe to say both of these squads are trending in a good direction, no matter the result of this game. I think both teams are are going in, in good places. I, I'm with you, Aaron. I think I just think New Prairie is probably a little further ahead program wise right now. Uh, but uh, nothing to take away from Coach 
um, Downey and, and what he's done, like you alluded to with Coach Gaff. Um, I think they'll just have a tremendous rest of the year. I got to go with New Prairie, though, in this one. Uh, what a great show we had today, Aaron. Yes, a lot of great stuff, a lot of guests. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun talking with uh, coaches. And, um, you know, that's one of the fun things about doing this is getting to know our local coaches. And, and uh, this is just a plug to uh, all, or not really a plug, but uh, uh, just a, I want to take a moment to praise uh, all our local coaches, we want to thank you uh, for sending us your information. Thank you for, uh, we know you're busy. Thank you for spending time to help us out in the show. Uh, and also, uh, you're being a good example to your student athletes. Um, and, uh, you know, in today's society, Aaron, uh, that couldn't hurt, you know. So uh, thank you for, for that as well. All right. Well, um we got a, a lot of a full week here of sports, Aaron. Uh, a lot of great games coming up. Obviously, our spotlight game. Notre Dame has uh, Central Michigan at Chippewas. Uh, and uh, so until next time, thank you for listening to the Will and Aaron Show. If you are enjoying our podcast, we would love for you to rate and share our podcast. Leave a review. It will help us out. You can follow us on X at Will Aaron Show on Instagram at the Will and Aaron Show and you can like the Will and Aaron Show Facebook page. Now thanks to you, we now have listeners from nine different countries, 31 states across America and in over 125 U.S. cities. Tune in next time as we discuss more local high school sports and Notre Dame football.